Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Parasa Pinay podcast, a podcast created by Okong Filipina. My name is Therese, and I am your host for today. Today, we will be talking about arts within the Filipino culture. So not just, you know, visual arts, but also talking about music, dance, all that fun stuff. So today we have Ruby Rose, or Ruby, <laughs> as I know her on this podcast. We also have the group Pantayo. So hello, everybody. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Pantayo. How are all of you doing? Hello, hello everybody. Hi. Hi, Therese. Hi, Ruby. <laughs> hello. Thanks hello. for having us. Yeah, thank you for coming on to this podcast. Um, so we could start off with some introductions for all the listeners. Ruby, and then go to Pantayo. Uh, Ruby, if you just want to give a little quick uh, intro. Uh, my name is Ruby. Uh, my personal pronouns are she, her. And um, I'm a third year interior design student at Humber. And I actually met, met Therese at, um, in high school because we, went, we were in band and choir together. Perfect. Thank you for that intro. Um, I'm not sure if any one of the members in Pantayo wants to go first. Um, it's up to you. <laughs> uh, I'm Aireen. I play keyboards and bass in Pantayo, and I also sing. Hi, my name is Michelle. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, I am also a member of Pantayo. My pronouns are she and her. And yeah. Hi, my name is Kat Estacio. Um, I play percussion and drums and programming in, in the band. Um, I could do a little brief bio for the band. Uh, Pantayo is an all-women kulintang ensemble based in Toronto. They combine percussive metallophones and drums from kulintang traditions of Southern Philippines with electronic and synth-based groups. They also offer music and cultural workshops to teach kulintang. Pantayo explores the possibility of Kulintang through their experiences as queer diasporic Filipinas. And then my name is Katrina Estacio. I'm also a member of Pantayo. My pronouns are she and her. And we also have another member who couldn't join us today. And her name's uh, Joanna de los Reyes. Pronouns are also she and her. Perfect. I think everybody's introduced themselves. Thank you all for those intros. So I know, Kat, you mentioned basically what Pantayo is, and I want all of you to tell us a little bit about Pantayo's album, which is also called Pantayo, and also a little bit about this Polaris Music Award shortlist thing that just happened recently, if you just want to tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, our first, um, our debut record um, is self-titled. We decided to name it after the band. And we refer to it as an audio diary of our shared experiences for the past few years that we were in the studio. And it's um, a, a journey of learning Kulintang music as a group. So it's, it's a process. It's a story. And I think each of the songs in the record is a different way of expressing ourselves and combining it with Kulintang music and um, each of our influences, uh, each of our musical influences as a band. Does anybody want to talk about the Polaris nomination? Well, I guess the Polaris is um, is this Canadian awards 
something that um, is not based on um, sales and it's um, it's a juried um, award. So basically, I believe over 200 um, albums were, I guess, included in the ballot. And then I don't know, I don't remember how many juries there were, but basically um, the juries um, picked their five favorite albums of the year, Canadian albums of the year, and then um, create the long list, which um, we were luckily a part of. And then, you know, and um, we were also shortlisted. I think it was a really interesting experience, even if we didn't win, because as a shortlister, we were able to be exposed to a lot of different things. Due to COVID happening, we haven't really had the chance to tour, but there's been more interest in the band and what we do. So we've had more of a platform to share how our experience has been like creating the album and, of course, drawing attention to the Kulintang music that we're trying to explore ourselves along with the history and the uh, the culture that it came from. So it's really a good um it's a good avenue for us to talk about these things because usually it's just through shows or through the workshops that we hold as a band that we're able to talk about these things. And the fact that it's out in the forefront of um, Canadian music, uh, it's not just people who are interested in alternative music who are approaching us for interviews. It's not just people who are interested in Filipino culture and Filipino music, period, in uh, in Turtle Island and also like what the diaspora is doing. So I think that part was really exciting for me personally. So with the shortlist nomination, um, typically uh, Polaris Music Prize has a yearly gala. Uh, so in lieu of a gala, uh, they decided to um, have each artist come out with a short film. Uh, so we were able to create an even more explicitly Philippinex video and collaborate with the director, Trisha Hagarillas, to create a video for our song, um, Taranta. And it also featured like other like queer Filipino femme folks uh, in community. And it was really, really great uh, to be able to do that and have that broadcasted. I saw the short film yesterday, actually, on YouTube. It was so cool. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, so yeah, thank you for, you know, introducing what Pantayo is to our listeners. Um, one thing I did want all of you to maybe elaborate on a little bit was um, Kulintang. Personally, I had no idea what Kulintang was when I first um, saw the word on Instagram. So I was wondering if you could just explain that to our listeners, you know, what is Kulintang pretty much? For sure. Um, well, it's, it, the word Kulintang refers to a lot of things. First of all, it's the instrument. It's a set of eight gongs, knob gongs, that are played in a series when it's um, lined up all next to each other. And it's usually in increasing, oh, sorry, decreasing size. And then the pitch goes higher. But it also, the word also refers to the, uh, the type of music, the ensemble that's formed around it. So there's other types of gongs that are played along with the kulintang, um, some of which are called the agong, the gandingan, 
a drum that's called the dabakan, uh, a timekeeper that's the bandir, and um, there's this practice instrument called the saronai, where it's um, usually it's just kept to the side for for those who are learning, but with pantayo we've incorporated it into our sound just to add more texture and layers um, to the type of music and the type of sounds that we create. Um, and what it means for us is an avenue to explore our Filipinoness. Um, that's one of the main reasons why we got together as a band, period. We thought that music would be a great way to, I guess, tap into our culture, uh, reach out to teachers, uh, try to assess the resources that we have here in North America, um, even though there wasn't any uh, teacher available in Toronto or in the surrounding areas, um, the the main the main sources that we had for um, for teachings, the closest area, like the density of of knowledge, came from. Uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco in the States, as well as like sheet music that we found out later on that were part of a book that was part of the work done by ethnomusicologists in the in like decades ago in the seventies. So um it's a lot of things going on and we're still piecing together all of these different sources of information. Um, but what's great about it is, like, it's okay to learn about these things in different times. Like, it's okay to not know everything all at once. Otherwise, I think if I if I stumbled upon everything at once, I would be overwhelmed. <laughs> so it's just uh, biting off a little bit at a time and just processing it, adding our own spin to it. That's why we've come to the sound that we have um, as Pantayo right now. It's uh, it's merging the the knowledge and the sources of information with our influences and what we grew up with and what we currently like still into something that um, that makes sense to us. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think the reference point that I had uh, when I first encountered Gulintang was something like um, like a xylophone. Um, that's kind of like the easiest way to explain it because they're they're percussion instruments that that have um, different tones and you play them f- from, I guess you play patterns on them and um, it sounds from the lowest on the left. And as you go uh, play the different plates or the different gongs going to the right, then it sounds higher in pitch. So that's kind of referring to the instrument itself. And then... When we refer to Kulintang music, um, it's a bunch of different rhythms that are played on different percussion instruments. And somehow those rhythms meld into each other and they're called pieces. So um, the thing about Kulintang music is that it's it's a group activity and it's a community uh, activity. It brings people together. So... I think that um, I think I think we I mentioned this before, or like we talked about this before as a group that you know we were all individually drawn to Kulintang, 
as as if the kolentang was like our like what was I saying before? Like we were drawn to. Yeah, like um, the kolentang. Kolentang picked us. Yeah, kolentang chose us. <laughs> Uh, it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not like it's not like uh, yeah anyway so like Kulintang chose us because um, we were drawn to it so there is that connection to it so yeah I think that's kind of how I can explain it just out of curiosity so how did all of you discover Kulintang like did you know of Kulintang from like your families or like did you hear the Kulintang instruments a lot when you were children? Or how did you all discover Kulintang? So for me, I actually knew very, very, very little about Kulintang. Um, and um, it was really through Pantayo that I got to know Kulintang. Um, but I guess um, like my path towards Kulintang was, was through, um, it was first, through being radicalized politically and learning about, you know, political landscape in the Philippines. And that's how I actually met, you know, majority, um, the mo- most of the members of Fantayo. So I had met um, Katrina and Kat through this um, Filipino fundraiser um, that, I, um, that I helped um, put together. I was a former member of Anagbayan and that's how I actually met um, Kat Katrina and um, we met through this Filipino community center called Kapisanan. Through there, um, that's you know um, we met each other and then we talked. We started talking about you know learning Kulintang together, and um, for me that was the beginning of it. Really, I had no knowledge prior to that. You know, um, I didn't know any history of Kulintang. I didn't know much about it at all and you know as you know we continued meeting each other weekly you know we um because we made this commitment to like you know learn together and so and so we i sort of learned from that um similar to michelle like i didn't i had very little knowledge or exposure to kulintang prior to pantayo i would say my the main the first time I, I heard of Kulintang was through traditional folk dance. Um, so growing up, I would occasionally go to like folk dance performances and you know how they do like the Mindanao suite and like the Rondalia and all the regional dances. Like they, when they do the Mindanao dances, they use the Kulintang. So that's how I knew of it. And I did a, a workshop when I was younger, like through one of the dance troops, but it wasn't until I moved to Toronto and started volunteering at Kapisanan, um, where I met Pantayo, that I actually started to use, touch the instruments and like really understand it more deeply. So Katrina and I went to the same school um, when, I guess, up until university. And when we went to school in the Philippines, um, in East, yeah, we went to school east of Manila and, um, it's in a mountain, and my interaction with Kulintang was very superficial. So even though the school that we went to had these instruments, they were stored in um, in a music room. It was very the connection was just visual. So like I would see the instruments, 
um, laid out in in the room. Um, and I'm not sure if, if you saw our setup as a band, um, but the gongs are big, so you can't just you can't just you know um, kind of tuck them neatly. So there there are gongs that would be bigger. Um, so then um, the gongs were kind of set up as as decoration in the music room, um, and I remember when we were in grade school, it was a very specific group of, of students that get to play the instruments. It's whether they're um, part of a club, I think, um, and they would have to be in high school to be able to play those instruments. So I think we, me and Katrina first saw the instruments when you we were in grade school, um, but we didn't actually knew what it was until we were in high school. And we had access to to how to play the instruments, but we never did um, because, I don't know, because of American pop music and, you know, influence in the Philippines. Of course, I wanted to play guitar and wanted to learn how to play drums as opposed to learning about Kulintang music. So um, it wasn't until we moved to, our family moved to Canada that um, there was an interest to finding out more about um, Filipino culture through music and specifically through Kulintang. Have you heard of, of the Kulintang Ruby? A Ruby? I've actually never, I've never heard um, of it before. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting to hear everything that you guys just talked about. It's nice that people still in our generation are um, coming to terms with um, like our music from the past, but also making it something that people now will listen to or would be interested in. So it's really cool. That's so nice to hear. <laughs> I just wanted to know like how you guys all started this up um, and actually created something so great um, from this. Oh my god, that's 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 so nice to hear. Um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, none of us, I don't think, had any, you know, any plans of you know taking Kulintang to like you know this level, like making an album. We never, you know, from you know the first month that we started, you know, meeting the second month, the first year. You know, even maybe even the second year, we we didn't imagine to make an album or to to make write music together in that way that you know that ended up being this album, and so um, it was something that was sort of I guess um, it happened organically in a way. So so basically, I I feel like we all just happened to be on the same wavelength too, because I don't think that, you know, I don't think, we don't think it would have worked out too if we weren't all in the same wavelength. So a lot of like things had to happen like um, together in order to um, have this album now or have Pantayo as Pantayo is now. I think one of the first things that we had to do was to have access to instruments. So 
one of our uh, past members had a set of kulintang that we were using. And then I remember wanting to uh, purchase a practice instrument called the Saturnai. Um, and that was one of the first things that I wanted to do. So I uh, was uh, connected to um, a teacher in, in the San Francisco Bay Area who is also selling instruments. So her name is Titania Buckhold, and she acts as um, like a bridge to people in North America who want to learn about Kulintang music and um, folks from Maguindanao in uh, in the Philippines who make the instruments. Um, and I also remember um, going on a family trip in 2014. Uh, me and Katrina went with our family and one of my main goals was not even to see my family, but I wanted to for sure get at least one set of kulintang gongs um in addition to if if we could also um bring and buy other instruments in the ensemble then that's great and that ended up happening so i think the first thing for us to kind of get started um was you know inst- you uh, interest from from a group of people because it is a community activity um and then once there was interest um we started with um the resources that we had which is like how to play um the gongs and then um we also needed to have access to instruments themselves which is really hard to um to have access to so um i think that's that's the foundation of of like how things got started so if someone wants to get like kulintang instruments, they pretty much have to get it directly shipped from the Philippines, I'm assuming, right? Like there's probably no one in Toronto or in the GTA that just casually has kulintang percussion instruments, right? Yeah, I don't think you can buy it as like if you go to Long and McQuaid. <laughs> you can't really yeah. do that. Um, I think there used to be one merchant at the CNE um, mm-hmm. that have... Um, Kulintang instruments and different drums um, mm-hmm. and even gongs from northern part of the Philippines, I think. But yeah, I think that's one of the the questions that I think if we were asked, we're kind of like, it's a, a roadblock for us. But we aren't necessarily like, we don't see it as a dead end because we know people who are connected to, um, you know, folks in the Philippines who might be able to um, help people get instruments, but you're right, it has to come from the Philippines and, you know, get shipped to wherever we are. Um, or that person would have to go back to the Philippines and bring it back. Hmm. Okay, that's pretty interesting. So this concludes part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two.